0: Check the mic and make sure it sound right,
1: boys. Welcome, one and all, to the Gridiron Heroics Football Show. I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at Dean, And we have a good one for you today. After covering some big news that's been sweeping the football landscape, we are going to dive right into the AFC East preview. We've got some awesome guests to go over the Jets, the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Bills, of course, some Gridiron Heroics writers, as well as some guys from the outside who maybe some of you have heard of. So I'm looking forward to those conversations so, so much. But first, we have to talk about what is happening in the NFL. Now, to do that, as always, I've got my good buddy, Julius Lux. How are you doing, Julius?
2: I'm doing well. Football's officially back. we got our first game underway. Other than that, all is well. How about yourself?
1: Uh, I'm I'm having a great day. So, you know, if you guys didn't see this live, I just got off of doing a live stream with one of the guests that's going to be on later. So you can go back and listen to it if you want. But I just talking football for this amount of time, it it just puts me in such a good mood, man. And then you throw in the fact that football is happening live right now. It doesn't get any better than that, man. I'm 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 sweltering in the Texas sun a little bit, but you know. Minor, minor, minor issues in the scheme of things. So, look, we talked about this a little bit. Our headline is going to be one of the bigger ones. So, let's jump into it. What's the first headline in the NFL today? It'd be,
2: it'd be, it'd be, it'd be. So, we already covered Deshaun Watson's ruling, but it is now known that the NFL, as expected, will appeal the six game suspension that Watson was given for violating the league's personal conduct policy and the league is arguing for at least a one-year suspension. So this was expected, and what's your take on this? Did you see this coming? Because I for
1: sure did. Yeah, you know, we talked about it a little bit, and the question was going to be, like, what is the, the the reaction of the fans like? And I think, honestly, if they had more time to make the decision, there could have been a question about what they went about doing with it, just depending on how intense that reaction was. But with only a few days to 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 measure what the, the world's take on Deshaun Watson was, there was still too much fresh heat on it. And so they really had to do this. Now, we talked about it. The funny thing is, <laughs> it's really just going to be whatever the NFL wants to do because it's either Roger Goodell making the decision or somebody that he selects. And you really think he's not going to select someone who's just going to do exactly what he tells him to? No. So I don't know if Deshaun Watson will ultimately miss the entire season. I think there's a good chance of it, but there is no doubt that it's going to be a much larger suspension. They may come down a little like in the middle, you know, so to speak somewhere around 12 games, something like that. So he still plays a little bit, but yeah, you know, if they really do want to impact him financially and truly punish him for it, the only real way to do that is to do the entire season. Because that's the only way his contract will toll. And essentially, what that means is while he was protected from losing money this year with the huge signing bonus, what will happen next year is he'll go and he'll have to play on essentially the $1 million base salary because what he normally would have gotten for 2023 will get pushed into 2024. And so he'll lose an entire year's worth of earnings. Now, He's not losing any money on the contract, but that's an entire year of earning potential for a franchise quarterback. That will really, truly hurt him in the wallet. And if people feel like that's the true way to punish him, not just missing games, that's the only way to do it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then moving forward, we're going to stay in the same division with news. There's always, you know, rumors circulating wide receiver Deontay Johnson, you know, contract situation after a big season last year. He just got extended a two year, 39 and dollar extension with 27 million guaranteed. He is in his final year of his rookie contract, but now will be a free agent after the 2025 season with this contract.
1: Yeah, man, uh, I, I feel like this is a great job by the Steelers because I like him. I really do like him as a player. I think that's a, a good deal. But sometimes when you have a guy who leads your team in receiving, you know, and and is debatably your best offensive player, probably your most productive offensive player, you could say that, they're not willing to take those those second-tier contracts. And I like him as a player, but sometimes good players are second-tier players are not elite. And with the way that wide receiver market was going up, I wasn't sure if he was really going to dig in his heels and try and get that level of compensation. So this is a great job by the Steelers. Now, it's a really short contract. That's where they had to kind of they had to give a little to get their take, you know, which was the average per year, but you know what? That's fine. They are a little bit of a team in transition. They got a young quarterback. They've got a lot of expensive veterans on the defense who may be aging up at some point. Like, look, Cam Hayward is incredible, but he's only going to be incredible for so long. He's already kind of pushing the test of time a little bit. So I think it gives them some flexibility in the future, whether they want to you know, feel like he's going to be a long-term piece or not. Ultimately, I do feel like it was a great job by the Steelers. I absolutely agree.
2: Now we're going to move on to other news, more on the downside of things. Marquise Hollywood Brown, the Cardinals wide receiver, was arrested and charged with criminal speeding on Wednesday, going 126 mile an hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. Now, I'm not sure if you knew this, Max, but I did some research on this just to add something real quick. So in Arizona speeding, it qualifies anything over 20 miles an hour over the limit. And it is labeled as a misdemeanor. So his court appearance will be August 23rd.
1: Interesting to know. So look, I mean, I'm not always going to give you my opinion on the, the world at large, but like that level of speeding is just such a careless display for the rest of humanity. And I might not necessarily have felt that way before I had my own kids. I wasn't recently in a car accident, and it was not bad. And, and I was just sitting at a red light, and somebody hit me from behind. And, and ultimately, all it did was kind of, you know, annoy me, really. But my kid was in the car, man. And like anything worse, you, you don't even want to think about what what could have happened. So for someone to be doing that, it's like, it's easy to say that it's not a big deal. But man, when you're going 126, 27 miles an hour, whatever it is, you do not have the kind of control of your vehicle that you need. And it's just such a careless display for the other people in your community, you know? So I, I will criticize people for decisions they make in the NFL, like relatively rarely, because I don't want to get on a soapbox, but man, it's just such a easy thing to not do. It's just so easy to just not go 80 miles over this, or whatever, 40, yeah, 60 miles over the speed limit. Good, good math, Max. <laughs> uh, but just don't do it, you know, just, just don't do it. Like, just don't be dumb. So, I I mean, as far as that goes, it's, it's annoying. I don't know what his, his punishment will be. He probably will get a minimal suspension at best, but personally, I don't like it. And it's just another bad look for the Cardinals and what seems to be like, you know, (laughs) a consistent thing for them nowadays. But yeah, that's, that's, that's Max's rant, which you'll get just, (laughs) just every once in a while. And just to add one small thing real quick. When you talk about, you know,
2: how it could be worse moving forward. We we go back a year. Henry Ruggs. What happened there? So just to point that out, like it can get to the point where his career is now over because of what happened in that incident. So we'll transition now to some small news. So Anthony Barr, a four-time pro bowler, played his uh, first eight seasons with the Minnesota Vikings, signs a one-year, two million dollar deal with the Dallas Cowboys. He will be pairing up with Leighton Van Der Esch at linebacker with giving more flexibility to the Dallas defense as Michael Parsons will most likely line up as a pass rusher more often.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's a nice pickup. I think, you know, anytime a player goes to Dallas, it's kind of bigger news. Like I think if any other team in the league had pretty much signed him, it, it, it wouldn't have gotten much national publicity. But he's a good player. He's, he's been around for a long time. He's kind of a sure thing he's a depth piece he'll probably pay play third linebacker when they do have three out there and he, he can step in and and be that backer when uh, that number two backer, if Michael Parsons does go up on the line to rush the passer. So I think it's a good move. I don't think it's anything that's going to move the needle, but it does shore up a a place where they had some question marks.
2: Absolutely. Just adds to the linebacker depth as much needed for the Dallas Cowboys as we went over last episode. Mm -hmm. And, Another quick just small little thing. The Denver Broncos had two players that tore their ACL in Tuesday's practice. A. Crockett, a running back, and wide receiver Tim Patrick, who just got a three year thirty million dollar deal in November. So an unfortunate situation
1: in Denver, and we're wishing them the best. Yeah, man, that's tough. It is tough. I you know, from a player perspective, you just never want to see guys get injured. It's just it's if you ever talk to any player, it is Truly a grind. It's it's so hard, especially for an entire season and to not be able to play until 2023. It's so hard, man. It's brutal. So Tim Patrick, like from a bigger picture, he was gonna be a big part of that offense. Like he's a good big body receiver who can catch those 50-50 balls that Russell Wilson loves to throw. Like, you know, the fact that they had Cortland Sutton on one side and Tim Patrick on the other. Both guys who can make contested catches down the field can be deep threats, maybe not super speedy, but like it's still in their game. That was going to be what Russell Wilson was going to be thrown to a lot. He does throw outside the numbers far more than he does inside. You know, it's true that they do have some receiver depth. They've got Jerry Judy coming back. He can play on the outside, but that known skill set, that's it's got to be disappointing for Denver fans for sure absolutely just a tough loss in general you know you
2: don't want to hear about a season-ending injury at all especially to Russell Wilson just got acquired by the team and now is down a weapon and that is all the news I got for you sir
1: thank you so much all right guys we are going to be jumping right into the New York Jets with one of our writers and a special guest coming from the outside Julius let the good people know where they can find you so it's juice 44 on Twitter
2: you can find me as well as on the Gridiron Heroics website, publish articles that are always uploaded every day, as well as Julius Lux on Facebook.
1: Right on. Thanks so much, and we will talk to you very soon. All right, everybody, as you know, I am a Jets fan, which means this is my first opportunity to really, truly talk about the Jets on our brand new show. I have two excellent guests who I'm very excited to introduce. First off, we have Alessandro Senatore, who is one of the writers for Gridiron Heroics, covering the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, I'm also very excited to welcome Green Being the Jets fan, who you may know from his YouTube channel, Greenbean the Jets fan. He also <laughs> does content for Jet Nation. Guys, I'm I'm pumped. I, I'm optimistic for this season. This is the first time in like three years that I've been doing football content where I actually get to go into a season with legitimate excitement about the Jets. So I hope you're with me. How are you doing today, yeah. Alessandro?
3: Doing pretty good, man. And uh, I do share your uh, enthusiasm. It's just, you know, we do this every year, man. So I'm hoping this year it <laughs> sticks.
1: Hey, look, I've been pretty realistic about the Jets' uh, uh their their what their season outlook has been over the past few years and i've been pretty close so this is the fact that i'm excited about it i I hope it means something green bean how are you doing today
4: I'm I'm doing well man I, I'm really excited to be here and I think you know it's funny because he's right we do this every year but usually it's trying to make really lower rung guys into something this year <laughs> we're hoping our higher rung guys actually meet their potential all the first round picks and all that so I think I hope it's a little different I hope
1: yeah me too guys all right so let's jump <laughs> into it we're going to talk about The team that's been assembled for the 2022 season. Look, the Jets have a lot of optimism beyond 2022. They're a super young team. But when we're looking at 2022 in particular, Alessandro, please give me whoever you think is going to be the most impactful addition from the offseason, whether it's a free agent, a draft pick, whatever you got.
3: Well, first, you should have said when we assemble this team, Avengers assemble. (laughs) That would be so much better. And two, it's uh, definitely CJ Uzama. I mean, our tight end game has been, let's put it best, non-existent. I mean, CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin are the duo that we got in. I love Jeremy Brecker when we drafted.
1: So CJ Uzama,
3: he's going to help out so much.
1: For sure. I mean, in terms of, you know, instead of looking at a position that was maybe elevated with some star potential, you went for the position that was absolutely atrocious and has just been brought up to at least good quality. So I feel that trust me. What about you green bean? Who would you say is going to be the key addition for this year?
4: I think it is going to be Brees Hall, a player that a lot of people were, uh, they didn't think it was real that the Jets would really use a second round pick to grab a running back. But they did that to grab the, you know, the consensus number one back in the entire draft. And I think, you know, adding him to the running game is going to uh, work miracles uh, for taking pressure off Zach Wilson. And I, and I think it's, I think he's probably, if he is anywhere near, near what he's supposed to be I think we just might have an actual offense so I'm going with Brees Hall
1: look uh, I'm going to spoil something for a little bit later uh, down the line for the podcast because we are going to be doing a season picks episode where we uh, pick who we think are going to be going to the playoffs Super Bowl who's going to win the individual awards Brees Hall is my pick for offensive rookie of the year. I think because of the workload that he's going to be having the improved offensive line and how ready he is to contribute at a position that normally contributes early, man. And I will say this just to toot my own horn here for a second. I wasn't touting Brees hall before the draft as a likely jets pick, but after the way the first round went, I I did a, a podcast with a buddy of mine on the jets the night after Uh, the first round and I called them picking Brees Hall in the second round because I realized what, what they had accomplished in the first round had really hit all of the biggest additions. And Joe Douglas just had this, the press conference after the draft. And one of the reporters asked him, is there somebody that you have your eye on at the top of round two? And he just smiled and was (laughs) clearly just showing his hand. And he said, Oh yeah. And when I, when he said that I thought about it and I, I said to myself, who would be that guy? Who has the kind of rating, uh, uh, you know, uh, draft grade that would get you that excited who's still available? And immediately I realized that's who it was because I yeah. didn't even know if he'd make it out of the first round, you know. All right. Let's move on to the defense over here. Again, a lot of new pieces. Alessandro, if you were going to look at this defense, which was pretty bad last year and and got a lot of pieces infused, what would you say is the thing that would continue to hold them back throughout this year.
3: Well, we did get a lot of pieces last year, but and and I really hate to say this, and I probably won't receive the ire of both of you guys, but our secondary is still our weakest point. I mean, people want to talk about how atrocious our secondary was last year. We all gotta remember Michael Carter, Brandon Eccles, and two of the guys were our starters, including Bryce Hall. They were all rookies. We had all rookies last year. And now this year we decided to burn. I'm not a huge Sauce Gardener fan. I didn't want him. I wanted Thibodeau. But anyways, um, when we got Sauce, we, we just added another rookie to the very young DB core. And then we also got those two free agents, Jordan Whitehead and DJ Reed, which we're going to help. But it's still a little lackluster. So, I mean, it's still going to hold us back and it's going to get us a little while
1: to get into a groove. You know, I think that there's a real possibility that 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 could happen. Now, as optimistic as we are, we do have to recognize the fact that there are questions. I mean, one of our projected starters is uh, LaMarcus Joyner, who missed the majority of the year last year and is getting older, right? It's tempting to just assume he's going to be a really good player, but you you never know. And the one thing I'll say that does give me optimism regarding that is how good... uh, sauce Gardner has looked in training camp so far but again you never know what it's like when live bullets are firing so there's some inexperience there it's definitely better than it was last year but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the strength of the defense so turning things a little bit more optimistic green bean what would you say is likely going to be the
4: strength of the defense for this year <sighs> Uh, well, I'm excited to say that I honestly believe it just might be the pass rush where the, I mean, the Jets have largely ignored it for decades, man, decades. So I, I like the fact like even the, you know, a little bit more under the radar, I really loved the Jacob Martin signing from the Texans. Yep. I think he, he's just a ball of fire and, um, you know, just a really high energy guy and I think that you know adding him to the rotation with some of the more well known guys clearly uh, Jets fans are really excited to finally see Carl Lawson we didn't see him for you know for a, you know, a second in the regular season last year so getting him back adding a first round pick uh, you know many people had Jerm- uh, Jermaine Johnson as a top 10 pick so the fact that we were able to get him in the bottom of the first is also very exciting adding those guys to Quinnen Williams uh, moving John Franklin Myers inside. I think that uh, we just might have the making of a legitimate pass rush. Now, w- that freaks me out a little bit for other reasons because uh, there's other places I don't know if they did as well maybe the run game but I really am excited to finally see a focus placed on the pass rush because as we know uh, if you get the quarterback off his rhythm everything else tends to, tends to work a little bit better including what Alessandro was talking about the defensive backs I mean what helps defensive backs more than a little bit of pass rush action so I'm really I, I'm very happy to say I believe the Jets did a, did a good job and bringing on some pass rush potential.
1: Yeah, I mean the way that I I view it and it could I could be wrong because you never know exactly who ends up making the team and exactly how they're stacked up. The Jets have their top four edge rushers all new this year because Carl Lawson didn't play a snap. They spent money on Jacob Martin who's probably the number 3 edge rusher. They got Jermaine Johnson in the first round and Michael Clemens, you know, where <laughs> he went in the draft is probably not necessarily equivalent of what his impact will be as a rookie. I'm not going to say he's going to be a superstar, but he's probably at least in the realm of a second round pick if he's a little bit younger and doesn't have this stuff on his record. So mm-hmm. I-, I think what they've done to improve that is notable, no doubt about it. So let's jump back to the offense and look at what we hope to be, maybe even a top 15 unit. Alessandro what do you think is going to be the strength of this offense?
3: It's not just one thing. It's all the weapons. I'm just going to include all the weapons, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs. I mean, this is this is the core Sam Darnold dreamed about that he never got, okay? <laughs> and so, I mean, with Brees with Hall and Michael Carr still being a, a hell of a rookie, and then you got Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, this, and then we finally got some tight ends, I mean, All these weapons, that's going to be the strength of this offense. And now it just falls on Zach.
1: Playmakers are there, no doubt. They've been brought in. And there's not just one that we have to rely on. You know, It's going to be game by game. Somebody can step up. Green Bean, I hate to do this to you, but you got to tell me. If there's something that goes wrong for the Jets offense this year, what's it going to be?
4: It's going to be the offensive line and it's, you know, I'm not saying that I believe it will. I'm an eternal optimist. I think it's, it's an interesting one because it can actually be our strength, our offensive line. There's a lot of potential there. We have the question marks. That's what it really is. It's question marks. We're moving two guys from the left side to the right side in uh, AVT and Makai Becton. You got the Makai Becton health concerns. You bring on a new guy, Lake and Tomlinson, even though he's, you know, he comes from this system, has worked with this coaching staff before, but there's a lot there. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of moving and shaking that that needs to take place. The truth is, is that our depth, namely on the outside, there's there's a little bit less uh, confidence. When you talk about that, I don't dislike Chuma Idoga maybe as many you know as, as much as a lot of other Jets fans do, but I'm not exactly psyched about him. You know, we need some, uh, you know, some some more confidence in our in our backup tackles, namely, you know, obviously Chuma Idoga, and then McDermott, and then fourth round rookie Max Mitchell. Uh, so again, I think it could end up being a strength, but if something goes wrong, I think it might just be the offensive line, and it's a little bit spooky.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think when you look at those backup positions, if you had players that just had a, an incredible track record of health, you probably could go into the season with those guys pretty comfortably. But just because that's not been the case for the Jets, you do not want to have to see a fourth round rookie or necessarily Chuma mm. Doga starting 13 games for the Jets this year on either side. Yeah. Right. We just don't yeah. want to see that happening. Um, so I, I feel you and I'm hopeful just like you are, but we have to recognize that it is a possibility. Gentlemen, let's look at what we actually expect. This is the ultimate question, right? We we have all this potential, but all this inexperience. Do you believe that it's going to come together and give a high-quality record at the end of the year, perhaps even a playoff berth, or do you feel like we're not quite there yet? Alessandro, what do you think?
3: Uh, tamper the playoff expectations. I mean, the AC West alone just stacks us out. But I'm, um, I, I, you know, looking at the schedule, I'm going I'm going very optimistically eight, nine wins this year. So uh, definitely improvement. We'll probably get out of the, the cellar of the AFC East. I, I do believe that.
1: I mean, I, that much. All right. Green Bean, what about you?
4: Yeah, well, I, I'm right in this in a similar pocket. I think uh, anything, you know, seven wins and up to me would be a positive uh, in in most instances. And and that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a competitive team that the 43 to three drubbings are a thing of the past. You know, we're not walking in looking lifeless. I'd, I'd like to see, you know, seven, eight, nine wins kind of a thing. I think it's realistic. The schedule is definitely uh, a nice size, you know, sized obstacle. We, you know, the NFL didn't exactly do us any favors in the first half of the year, but that all said, I think, you know, what, what I'm really looking for is a team that looks like it's coming together. We added the pieces, Sala and staff are in their second year and maybe they learned a little bit about what not to do and maybe some things that they could do, you know, putting LaFleur in the booth and those types of things. And I'm looking for maybe seven, eight, nine wins this year. And I'd, I'd be happy about it quite frankly.
1: Yeah, I feel that. I want to see competitive games uh, and and a realistic shot at the playoffs that at least it runs deep into November, if not December. So I want to give you guys a chance to let our good listeners know where they can find you beyond the Gridiron uh, Gridiron Rogues football show. Alessandro, let them know, where are you at?
3: Well, right now you can find me on Twitter. I'm at am underscore senator. That's A-M underscore S-E-N-A-T-O-R-E. Most of the time, I'm even going to be talking about what's going on at Jets camp or probably yelling about what's going on with the Yankees right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Green Bean. Now, what about you? I mean, you got you got a slew of stuff for people to find you at. And I will say this. If you like what Green Bean and I are talking about here, we will be doing a live stream. Now, it's tonight for us. For you guys, it will be last night. So if you didn't catch it live, you can go to his <laughs> channel and, and watch this. So I will throw that out there, but hit everybody with what you got, Greenbean.
4: All right. So we have our weekly live stream, the Thursday thick of it. It's a very, very popular show. I'm happy to be doing it with you uh, tonight. So if you guys did miss it, you can go back. It's on YouTube, but it's at green bean jets fan on YouTube, green bean jets fan on Instagram, green bean jets fan on Twitter. And as was said earlier, I also produce content for jet nation, which is jet nation on YouTube or JetNation.com, And we have a lot of fun.
1: Right on, guys. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about our favorite team. It's going to be the last time I get to say that for a couple of months. You know, hopefully (laughs) the Jets are good and they can be featured uh, as the season goes along. But you just never truly know, do you? Guys, have a wonderful Mm -hmm. afternoon, and I will see you both very soon. You in particular, Green Bean. PlayActionPools.com has launched as the newest sports pool hosting platform. PlayAction is your spot for all of your football contest needs. Whether it's a pick'em or a survivor pool, Play Action has customizable options for picking against the spread or straight up. You can pick for the NFL, college, or both. Check out their exciting Build Your Bankroll format, which operates as a virtual sportsbook. You know your buddy who's always bragging about what a great handicapper he is? Put him to the test with PlayAction's Build Your Bankroll feature. PlayAction is the best service available for your family and office pick'em pools. And it's what we're going to be using for our first ever Gridiron Heroics Pick'em this season. Join our Pick'em at playactionpools.com today for free. And you can play along with me and all of our writers for the 2022 season. If you love their format, and I know you will, you can use our special code HEROICS for 15% off your very own family or office pool. Go to playactionpools.com today. I am very happy to welcome two more Gridiron Heroics writers to the show today. First off, we have Lee McManus. He writes for Phantom Sports, covering all sports, and of course, the Miami Dolphins for gridironheroics.com. Now, Lee has also covered high school football for 24 seasons for local papers in the North Carolina area, which is that's some serious tenure, my friend. How are you doing today?
5: I'm doing well, yeah. Uh, I I got started uh, when I was still going to Winthrop, uh, which is just south of here. And uh, I've enjoyed covering sports ever since. It's kind of been uh, come to be in the blood here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. It's a big part of me. If you got it, you got it, and you can't get rid of it, you know. And we have Sebastian Clavijo. Now, Seb, he covers the Dolphins for Gridiron Heroics as well. And he has his own YouTube channel, Sports with Seb, which you can check out. How are you doing today, Seb? I'm doing great, Max.
6: thanks for asking. but yes, sports with Seb is everywhere on YouTube, Twitter. Make sure you guys are all following that. Um, been covering sports for a while, the NFL nBA especially for the past two years, but now we're diving into more some football, and we're gonna get ready
1: to talk about some dolphins absolutely all right on that note, let's dive right in, guys. This has been a big off season for the Dolphins. There have been there's been news, which we don't really have time to dive into too much just in this little segment, because we're really going to focus on the season at hand. But we've had a ton of additions. So, Lee, why don't you tell me about who you think or who you feel is the largest offseason addition for the Miami Dolphins this year?
5: To me, it has to be Armstead and, and Connor Williams, both Ter- Terran Armstead and Connor Williams. Um when you look at where the Dolphins offensive line has been, it can't gain worse than last year. Uh, they were rated dead last by pro football focus uh, at the end of last year. Their their running game was 30th in yards gained. They had one of the worst pass protection win rates. I mean, all of that affected Tua and uh, you know, his ability to throw downfield. So it was a huge domino effect. And I think if they're going to be what, what they're, they've shown they're capable of being, both of them, then they're the biggest additions.
1: Yeah, and I think with Armstead, there's really no disputing that he's been one of the best tackles in the league for the better part of a decade now, but I know anybody who's a Dolphins fan is probably as apprehensive as I am about what his injury status will be like going through the season because it, he just hasn't played a full season in so long. So I love to watch him play. I'm hopeful that he makes it all the way through the year. Now, Seb, there's plenty of others to choose from, but who would you say is the other biggest one? Well, I have to say first
6: that Toronto Armstead is definitely a huge, huge addition to this Miami Dolphins roster. Um, but another huge addition—it has to be Tyreek Kill. I mean, you add one of an elite wide receiver to that offense, especially with that speed and that deep threat uh, availability that he has. It's going to be something to watch next season, especially with the new head coach, Mike McDaniel. He's going to implement this new system, and it's going to create opportunities for other players. You have Mike Kosecki, you have Jalen Waddle, who are also on the field at the same time as Tyreek Hill, and you know they can't guard everybody. With that amount of speed on that offense, it's going to be great to see Tyreek Hill is going to make a huge impact offensively for
1: the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a big win for them uh, to bring him over. I'm trying to remember the last time an NFL team has had just the overall level of speed that they have across their skill positions. I, and I can't remember one in my tenure. I mean, there's been fast teams, you know, uh, the, the Eagles come to mind when they, they had Macklin and McCoy and uh, Deshaun Jackson back in the day, but mm-hmm. I still don't think that it, it quite measures up to what the dolphins have now. So Really honing in on the offensive side of the ball, Lee, what would you say is the strength of the offense, right? You got your new coach, you got your new pieces, you got your third-year quarterback. What do you think will get this offense to be in the top 15 to 10 if they are? What do you think is going to lead the way?
5: Uh, Well, I think it is that team speed. Uh, You just have so many uh, players capable of of breaking out big plays. Uh, there's Edmonds, there's Mostert, there's Waddle, uh, Cedric Wilson, I think, was an underrated signing. Uh, Tyreek Hill as well. And not only that, wide receiver is a very deep position for Miami. I think it's a combination of both of those things. Preston Williams, when he was healthy, made a few plays for, uh, for the Dolphins, and so did Lynn Bowden, and they might not make this team. There may be two or three uh, receivers that can be picked up for another team depending on how many Miami keeps if they keep seven there there might be both of those receivers that could land with another team and at least make some plays that's that's been pretty rare that they've had that much depth at uh, that position for quite a while now so I would say the wide receiver depth and their o- overall uh, team speed are the are their biggest strengths going into the season
1: yeah, it would be shocking to me if they keep seven wide receivers, but it's always good. It's disappointing for the players, but it's always good when you can bring in guys and be so talented that other players who had contributed before then become expendable. You know, Not that it's the nicest word, but it is what it is. Right. <laughs> Sebastian, yeah. now if you're looking at the offensive side of the ball and the Dolphins don't end up having the best season offensively, what do you think it would be that might hold them back?
6: Well, I think it's going to be establishing a run game. I mean, last season, we saw the Dolphins, they ranked in the bottom half of the league as far as uh, average rushing yards per game. They averaged just over 100 yards. And, you know, obviously that was in part of of having a a terrible offensive line last season and some play calls that, you know, were head scratchers at moments in time. Uh, But now, like I said earlier, uh, you have the new head coach, with Mike McDaniel. And you add some uh, some running backs onto your roster. He most Chase Edmonds and Son- uh, Sonny Mich- uh, Michelle and all these other guys on your roster. Like you said, um, as far as wide right receivers, you have a lot of depth. The same thing goes for the running backs. You have a lot of depth. But are you going to be able to utilize them to their fullest potential? It's going to be key heading into the season, especially towards the end of the season. You got to keep these guys healthy and you got to keep them on the field running the ball. Uh, and you got to make the other team respect that run if they don't respect the run it's not going to open up anything else on the field you're going you're not going to be able to run the RPOs you're not going to be able to run the play action plays you're not going to be able to utilize Tyreek Hill Jaylen Waddle and all these other guys if you can't have a respectable run game
1: yeah absolutely and you know with Mike McDaniel prior to being the offensive coordinator before that he was the uh, uh, run game coordinator so hopefully he brings that success to the Dolphins run game as well. I think. I, I do expect him to. There's definitely some questions if Austin Jackson is going to be starting anywhere on the line. He's going to have to be better than he's been. And injuries, potential injuries could always crop up too. But I, I, I'm hopeful that that will be an improved phase of, of the offense for you guys. All right, Lee, I'm coming back to you, but we're going to jump on to the defensive side of the ball. Now, there are a lot of quality players. Uh, they've drafted a lot of young guys to the defense to go along with those established vets but if there is something that could be a potential issue for the defense this year what do you think it might be
5: well if you look at what ended up being the biggest game for Miami last year against the Tennessee Titans Derrick Henry wasn't even in that game and Tennessee still managed not to have to pass almost at at all I think Tannehill went something like 13-for-18 for for 120 yards in that game, and they still lost 34-3. to Part of that was because of the turnovers they had, but part of that was because they let Tennessee run all over them. So their run defense was better at times last year, but it's still an issue. And for me, it's great that Miami was fifth in sacks last year, but I think their scheme can leave – their corners on an Island a little too much at times. So I would ra- I would like to see someone like Christian Wilkins be able to get a little more interior pressure. So maybe they didn't have to blitz quite as much. I think that would, that would be helpful particularly because although they have a great secondary, there there's still some depth questions there. They can keep some guys fresh. They're not on, not an, on an Island quite as much.
1: Yeah. You know, Everybody loves to have lockdown corners or a great secondary. The only issue you have is that those guys are really hard to find. And if you have two and you base your entire scheme off of having those two guys out there all the time, as soon as one goes down and you've got to put somebody else on that island, you almost immediately have to change how you do things defensively, yeah. You know, especially against a team with a couple of good wide receivers. But yeah, you know, Christian Wilkins, he's, I wouldn't say he's been bad, probably hasn't been you know, quite what you had hoped based on the the draft status. But I do really like what they have on the edge. I think Jalen Phillips is kind of going to develop significantly more. He had a quietly really good rookie season for the people who weren't necessarily following along with Miami. So, you know, I, I, I think establishing his status as a quality run defender to go along with his already somewhat proven pass rush skills will help go a long way as well. Now, Seb, let's talk about a little bit more positivity. Okay. If there is going to be something that absolutely devastates opposing offenses on your defense, what's it going to be?
6: Well, Lee mentioned it earlier. It's going to be that secondary, that Miami Dolphins secondary, the lockdown corners with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Obviously, a top five corner uh, in Xavier Howard. And then you have a healthy Byron Jones once he comes off the pup list because he did start on the pup list for training camp but he should be ready to go by the season starts. Uh, So you have those two guys on both ends. And then on top of that, you have Javon Holland in the back, uh, playing safety, obviously coming off of, I wouldn't say a spectacular rookie year, but a very good rookie year. He had two interceptions, uh, 10 pass deflections, and almost 70 tackles. Uh, And, you know, he did let some big plays happen, get behind him at times, but that was his rookie year, you know. Um, He's heading into his second year now. He's learning. He has some experience under his belt. And, you know, hopefully – he can take that next step in this second year, and not only that, but you also have some other guys like Brandon Jones and Nick Needham that me and Lee were talking about uh yesterday, uh, who have also been stepping up when they play in the nickel formations and stuff like that. Like uh, when Lee mentioned um how the Miami Dolphins like to blitz a lot and leave their corners on islands, that's usually when Nick Needham usually comes in in the nickel, or you got Brandon Jones coming in the nickel and coming to to come and cover these guys but definitely the Miami Dolphins strength this season for the defense is going to be their secondary
1: no doubt if only Igbenogany had, had panned out because I then know. you guys would really be locked down and you'd have a little <laughs> bit more uh flexibility financially going forwards but yeah um you can't hit them all right so thanks for joining me fellas I really do appreciate it I am an AFC East guy so I always love jumping around the division now I want to give you guys each an opportunity to shout out your socials and tell everybody where they can find your written work. Lee, where can the good listeners follow you?
5: Um, Well, as you mentioned, I do some writing for Phantom Sports as well as Gridiron Heroics. I cover pretty much every sport. I even did some Winter Olympics coverage for Phantom Sports. And for Gridiron Heroics, so far I've written about the Miami Dolphins and I will be writing about the Clemson Tigers as well pretty soon here. So, And, and of course, as you mentioned, I've covered high school football uh, for three newspapers just, just south of here in South Carolina. For uh, This will be the 24th season this year. It's been, it's been quite a while, and I thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Right on. And, Seb, what about you? All right,
6: yeah. So you guys can follow me on Sports with Seb, uh, on Twitch, on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. We're, on, we're everywhere. Facebook, TikTok. If you guys want to watch the newest, newest episode, there's going to be an episode out this Thursday, August 4th. For the new people that are going to be joining in, make sure you guys are watching that. And I'm also, obviously, like uh Max mentioned earlier, I'm a writer for
1: Gridiron Heroic, so you guys can check out some of my articles there. Um, and that's going to be it. Right on. Hopefully the dolphins are good and we can have you back on to, to bask in that glow, but we will see you guys very soon.
5: Thank you. Thanks, Max.
1: Now I am super pleased to welcome Jonah Perez. He is a writer for gridironheroics.com covering the USC Trojans who have Plenty going on surrounding them this year. And of course, the New England Patriots, which is what we are here to talk about today. Jonah, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing better than the Patriots offense is doing
0: during training camp. They're not doing
1: so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I love football, and I, I'm not generally a hater. I will. I will be completely candid with you, and other listeners already know this. I am a Jets fan. So if there's any team in the league where I take a, s- a small amount of uh, pleasure from watching them struggle, it's the Patriots. You know, I and, I and I, I can't lie about that. You guys
0: always have that playoff win over the Patriots after they got like a number one seed and all that stuff. Fourteen and two, Brady MVP, taking them out on the road. You mm, guys always have that. that was, I guess
1: that was definitely the best game that I've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt about it, but yeah, you know, you have all of the success to to rest your laurels on, and I just have my my uh, petty jealousy over here. That's all. <laughs> yeah, some of my favorite media members are Jets fans, which so is hilarious. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of Jets fans in in the media. Okay, um, yeah, let's jump into the team and talk about what to what to expect for 2022. Right, so they've come off of a playoff appearance last year. It didn't go exactly how they hoped. They definitely didn't have a dominant season, but they played well overall. Um, They closed out the season well, but the postseason, not so much. So this is a team that doesn't normally do a lot in free agency. They don't normally add a ton of different players. They did a little bit more last year. They usually stick more to the draft. But if you were to give me the two players that came on board this year, in this offseason, that you think are going to make the most difference for the team, who would they be?
0: Well for one
1: uh, the rookie Cole Strange um,
0: has definitely um, done some good things in camp um, he's been getting more uh, pointers uh, to refine some of his blocking because now that this week is the first week of pat- padded, full, fully padded practice um, so the lineman didn't really uh, get a chance to do as much uh, but the other player would be Mac uh, not Mac um, Mac Wilson Mac Wilson that's that Mac Wilson um so now that he's here he brings cuz they traded chase winovich who was a former uh draft pick of the patriots they traded him to the browns and they got mac wilson and what mac wilson brings is he brings a speed at linebacker that they haven't had in a long time they they've been using a lot of smaller safeties like more compact safeties safeties as their more coverage linebackers Because usually Belichick likes the real like old school run stopping thumper linebackers is usually what he likes. So they haven't always had the speed at the linebacker position that they've had that they're going to have this year.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. I think based on some of their moves, they have been transitioning to different schematic trends on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. They've made some changes with the linebackers. Um, I I think that they're they're going to be looking at. Being able to cover some of those stretch plays without just those like the versatile linebacker types that are like kind of like linebackers, Mm -hmm. kind of like defensive ends, kind of those like all, all around kind of Kyle Van Noy guys. And they're getting more to the guys who can cover more distance by themselves. And then offensively speaking, it kind of looks like they're transitioning to some more athletic offensive linemen like they might be trying to look at some more zone-type running instead of so much power stuff that they've been doing in the past as well. And I think Cole Strange out of uh, Tennessee Chattanooga is like perfect example of that. Um, Very athletic. Super athletic, super athletic, you know. And they had to give up Joe Tooney, who was also a really good athlete, but they just they couldn't afford him. So I feel like they, they liked what they had in him, and they're trying to, to recreate that and get more athletic. Probably one of the reasons that Shaq Mason is now with the Buccaneers as well. No. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that,
0: and um, there was a, there's a drill at camp that they like to do for the Patriots where they get, like, the, because usually they have a drill where the um, returners will, like, catch a punt or whatever, and so you know how a lot of teams will get their big 300-pound linemen out there doing it? <laughs> full Strength doing a pretty good job catching the ball, even though mm-hmm. it was really high in the air and all that stuff, so that that was, yep. that was really cool. And then the other, the one last note I'll will mention about defensively is the other thing they're trying to do is to bulk up the defensive line because uh, they haven't had a lot of quote unquote big people in a long time. Um, so they added Barrymore last year uh, when they drafted him. They've gotten a lot of different undrafted guys, three hundred pounders to compete and all that because they're trying to uh, be even more staunch against the run because you can you can run
1: on them. Yeah, well, that's another thing, you know. If if the Patriots are trying to trend with the league, uh, if that's really what they're doing, then some of those bigger bodies up front will let them run some of those tighter odd fronts, you know. And then those speedy, versatile linebackers, like when I say versatile, I mean I mean guys who can cover, who can come up and, and fill the gaps, but not necessarily are those thumpers in the same. And way, that's you know? that's usually what the Patriots like all their players are usually very, very versatile. That's like the number one thing they always look for smarts and versatility. So it sounds like they're getting a little bit more specialized on defense. So mm-hmm. looking at the offense, they were definitely hardcore ground and pound team last year. I mean, everyone likes to point to that game against the bills, but obviously there were some mitigating weather circumstances in that particular game, but um, it, it it did lead to success. But again, they needed to expand their passing offense a little bit, I think, to really be competitive in the playoffs like they'd like to be. And as you look at the offense, if there is a an aspect of it that you think would guide them to overall season success, what do you think that would be?
0: Red zone offense. If you have a defense that can give a stop, you just need, you just need to be able to score. Too many times the Patriots had to set over field goals, even in the red zone. And so the the what they've done to improve that is they added Devonte Parker, who his story in Miami was inconsistency and injury, and so so far through through camp he's been uh, a really big red zone weapon. That in combination with seeing Janu Smith, the former Tennessee Titans tight end, finally make an impact, kind of um, in training camp also, because last year while Hunter Henry was uh, was the one who caught all the passes, Janu Smith mainly blocked. And he's a really good blocker, but he was inconsistent through the air. So now the Patriots have, even though it's the only training camp, and we'll continue to see once actual like games start occurring, they could now have three red zone threats that they could turn to. Because last year it was only Hunter Henry. So once they got to the red zone, you could really uh, zone up the, the end zone so they couldn't get in there if you were able to mm-hmm. uh, stop the run pretty efficiently. So that's one area that they're definitely improving the red zone offense.
1: So, if there is something that would hold them back, what do you think that would be? The AFC.
0: <laughs> the AFC got way more like the quality of quarterback has risen. The Patriots now, they're probably, if I had to give a prediction, are going to be eight, nine, or ten wins and probably miss the playoffs, even if they get the ten wins, because the AFC is so difficult. Yeah. I just think, I think about that's... the whole. Yeah, the whole AFC West is going to be a problem. Most of the AFC North is going to be a problem. The Jets and Dolphins Bills are now, act- the Bills are actually worth something. The Dolphins could be something, and the Jets have a lot of talent. And then the AFC South, you still have the Colts and the Titans in there. So, like, it's loaded. If they were in the NFC, I would definitely say they'd be one of the best, like, teams. But because they're in the AFC, they're just not on the
1: level of a lot of other teams in terms of ta- Talent. You know, offensively, it's true. Uh, They've got a lot of pieces, and the Patriots have historically always been a little better than the sum of their parts, but I'm just not sure that that will quite do it this year.
0: Yeah, and the AFC's never been this good before.
1: (laughs) That's true. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, you know, that's been their bread and butter for a long time. Um, They have moved on from Dante Hightower, um, and for what seems like the 100th consecutive year, Devin McCourty is still on the team, but they're aging a little bit. Now, do you believe that's still going to be the strength of their team? And if so, what is the strength of the defense?
0: At the beginning of the season, the defense will be the strength. By the end of the season, it will not be the defense because the defense in the short term, as the Patriots always do, they always let uh, talent leave in free agency. So they lost the elite cover corner, J.C. Jackson, in free agency. They just let him go, and the Chargers gave him a bunch of money. Uh, so there are like a couple other players that they usually will just like let go to get compensatory picks the next year. And sometimes that can affect them short term. Mm-hmm. So I think at the beginning of the season, the defense will be the bread and butter. But you'll start to notice that the defense has less talent uh, by the end
1: of the season and that it'll probably be the offense. Gotcha. And so you've already kind of given your prediction for the season. You said 8, 9, 10 wins, probably missed the playoffs. How do you think they'll do in the AFC East alone?
0: See, that's so unpredictable because, again, the Jets have a lot of talent, but will they all stay healthy? Because last year your whole defense was just ravaged by injuries. You had no chance mm-hmm. to see any of these guys, whether it was Carl Lawson like a, or some of the other defensive li- uh, linemen like Shepard, Nathan Shepard, if I recall. Um, you, you just don't know about the Jets, and then the Dolphins is even more unpredictability because they have all this talent, but will Tua be able to do it? Will he be able to deliver? Mm -hmm. And the Bills, I don't have any questions about them anymore because I had questions about them last year because I wanted to see them do it again. I don't have any questions anymore. (laughs) The Jets and Dolphins, like the Patriots, like it's possible they could get fourth because if the the, the Jets and Dolphins can do anything. Although I will say that the Jets are probably going to be last because for like the 10th straight year, they have like the NFL's hardest schedule again. Like they always have like the first six games are always like against the top six teams until you guys always start like one in five. You don't even have a chance usually because of how terrible the schedule is. But that seems to be kind of how the AFC East is. The Bills are going to dominate. Everybody else is kind of competing for second.
1: Yeah. the It's it's a questionable division just because there's so, so many new pieces on both the Dolphins and mm-hmm. the Jets, you know, and it, with, with, there's a, probably a little bit more carryover with the jets just because the coaching staff is the same. The dolphins they've added a lot of new pieces, Definitely. a lot of proven pieces, but again, new coaching staff and then injuries. So it
0: yeah, it might take a second to
1: come together. It's tough to say. I mean, I'm just I think the biggest thing I'm worried about is Terran Armstead for them just because their offensive line was so bad last year and he's so good, but he's so injury prone. So without him, <laughs> yeah, no, he's always injured when he's
0: healthy, it'll work. But as a lot of people say, the Dolphins, according to pro football focus, their offensive line at the worst pass blocking win rate
1: of all time. It was like pretty ever. horrendous. It truly was. All right, Jonah, <laughs> I really appreciate you joining me to talk about the New England Patriots today. I'd like to give you the opportunity to just shout out to our listeners, let them know where they can find you and what you're up to.
0: Um. Just continue to read uh, Gridiron Heroics. I write about USC and the Patriots pretty much every day. I flip back and forth, and I'm excited for the
1: season to start. And so right on. Yeah. Uh, I'm I. I hope that you know <laughs> the 2021 rookie quarterback class is such an interesting one, and just as a fan of the sport, I would love to see. Mac Jones and Zach Wilson both work out and be very good because how fun would it be to watch those two tied together go at it twice a year, every single year. That, that is something that I'm very hopeful for, but Jonah, thanks so much. And we will see you very soon. All right. Take care. All right, guys, I am very, very happy and relieved to welcome Kyle Trimble to the show. Kyle does work for Banged Up Bills, in which he covers all Bills injuries, which is top-notch stuff if you are a Bills fan. I, I feel like a lot of you out there probably already know who he is, but if not, you need to check him out for that. He also works with Cover One, Buffalo Rumblings, and is an injury spotter for Pro Football Docs. Now, real quick, I just want to say, Originally, we were going to have one of our writers on from Gridiron Heroics, Chris. He had something really unfortunate come up, so I want to let you know that our thoughts are with you. But Kyle, thank you so much for stepping in, in the clutch. How are you doing today?
7: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on.
1: My my pleasure, truly. Now, let's jump right into the Bills. They had a tremendous season last year. They are one of, if not the best teams in the NFL going forward. They added a few pieces, but the core was largely in place, right? So if you would look at the offseason additions, what would you say are the two most important that they made?
7: They've made a ton of offseason additions through the draft, through free agency, but two of the biggest ones I saw are one addition on the offense and one addition on the defense. Uh, Going with the offensive side versus Roger Saffold, uh, a guard. Uh, He came in out of Tennessee last year, but had a long tenure with the Rams, um, he comes in coming off his first pro bowl and he definitely knows what he's doing in terms of just jumping into the system that Aaron Cromer, um, has installed uh, this off season. So he's very familiar working with Cromer when he was with the Rams, he comes in with a great pedigree. Uh, he's been quite durable over the past few years, even though a shoulder injury had slowed him up last year, but He has proven he knows what it takes to play at the guard position, which has been a weakness for Buffalo in the past few years with them changing guys out due to Cody Ford doing an ineffective play or Ike Bakker due to um, his Achilles injury or even Ryan Bates who stepped in toward the end of the season. So to solidify that guard spot and um, to help reinforce and improve the running game will only help him out. Um, As for defense, this is a slam dunk easy one. It's Vaughn Miller. He's supposed to be the guy that helps bring them up over top and get that rushing attack, connects me to the rushing attack, the uh, pass rush and uh, defending the run. Try to get them to put pressure on the quarterback so that they can get them where they need to be at instead of almost getting there. But then letting guys escape like they did with Patrick Holmes at times last year. So uh, Miller's supposed to bring all that experience and his hall of fame pedigree to the defensive line to hopefully get them over the top. Cause that's where they've been lacking uh, in past seasons. So those are easily the two biggest additions and should help bring Buffalo uh, to that next level.
1: Yeah. You know, as far as Roger Saffold's go goes, I think he is huge because you have a good offensive line for the most part, right? Especially when Spencer Brown started to lock down the other tackle spot, you're pretty well set, but Getting in Roger Saffold, even if he's not as great as he once was, even if he's not one of the best in the NFL anymore, just getting in some stability at that guard spot, which went through so much turnover last year, I feel like is going to just lock you guys in as one of the better lines in the NFL. And then Vaughn Miller, man, you guys made so many investments on the defensive line over the past few years, whether it's Ed Oliver or Greg Russo or uh, Boogie Basham, you know, all of those guys are developing players, but Miller is going to give you the opportunity to truly get to the quarterback rushing for, which you just have to do in the playoffs. At some point, you have to be able to do that. So big time addition there. Now, let's look at the offense specifically. We know they're one of the best offenses in the league. You know, they have a bunch of great players. If you had to nail down one strength what would you say that is
7: for the offense? I feel like it's cheating, but quarterback, I mean, we have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, two years ago, he was MVP runner up. He's what drives the offense and Josh Allen. So uh, without him, the team will take a step back if he's out for any extended bad amount of time. But even if he is the, they have a the backup of the case Keenum who has proven that he can win in the league over the course of the season, if he needs to, but if he needs to win for two or three games at a time, if Allen is out, but that's definitely one of the main strengths of the uh, Bills um, uh, offensively.
1: Yeah, you know, he's ah uh, just incredible. He's one of the most fun players in the NFL to watch, and he just has such a likable persona on the field too. Like, even as a fan of a of an opposing AFC East team, like you you gotta love it. He was a player who I was pretty down on. Uh, going into the 2020 season because when they made the playoffs in 2019 it it didn't really go exactly how they would have hoped uh, in that game and I kind of felt comfortable saying like look this just isn't the guy and boy did he prove me wrong after about a month of that season I said okay this guy is for real and all he's done is solidify himself as an annual MVP candidate since then so not that I expect them to be bad but if you had to point to one Part of the offense that could be a potential issue uh, down the line. What would you say that could be?
7: I'm going to split hairs here and actually say either between the running game or the wide receivers. And the reason why I split that there is because the running game severely underperformed last year. They did have some turnover in the offensive line, and they just never got the production out of that. So I know that the focus has been to improve, improve the running game, but I also bring up the wide receivers too, is because while we have top end talent and stuff on digs, Gabe Davis. Um, Isaiah McKenzie's been coming on strongly in camp, there is a drop-off in the talent um, after that. They have a lot of great guys on the team that will contribute, but um, if any of those guys go out, that could expose some of the issues that they have there. So obviously you want to get both components going, but I would definitely lean more toward the running game being the big thing that you have to worry about, and they have the pieces in place to hopefully improve on that, but just make sure that they have effective depth with the wide receiver so there's not any issues in case injuries do arise.
1: Yeah, and they've done a really nice job supplementing the run game with Josh Allen because he's so effective. But as the years go by, you really can't be using him to do that throughout the course of an entire season. You know, once the playoffs are here, all bets are off. But you don't want to injure your quarterback, you know, running him up the gut, trying to get first downs like four times a game. It's just a recipe for disaster. So getting a consistent run game without that is is definitely key. Jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, now, again, they've added big-time pieces both in the draft and free agency. Uh, but what would you say now is the true strength of the defense? If this is going to be another top unit, what is the top of that top unit?
7: I want to lean toward the defensive line since they've invested so much into it from the draft, from free agency, just all aspects, and they, even the guys they bring back. They, that's just one of the places where they know they have to win in the trenches, and if they can pressure the quarterback and stop the run, then they can really control the line of scrimmage and control the game as a whole there. So um, it seems like a cop-out for that, but they've put so much time and energy into it, I don't know how you couldn't make that a strength there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, I expect so. Now, again, ever since Sean McDermott's been there, they've been a good defense, you know, near the top of the league even. But if there was something that was going to hold them back going into this year, what, what do you think that, that might be?
7: Off the top of my head, the first thing I want to say is secondary, and this is usually normally a strength. This has been a hallmark of a Sean McDermott defense over the past several years is having a great secondary, and they've proven that. But their secondary is a little bit backed up right now. You have Tradavius White, former All-Pro, coming off a torn ACL on Thanksgiving and is trying to work like crazy to get back in time for Week 1. Um, in some of the articles I've done on Buffalo Rumblings, I'm predicting he comes back in Week 2, but he's still going to take some time to ramp back up as ACLs do. Um, and you also got Micah Hyde, who had a hard fall in practice last week. He's coming back up. That injury shouldn't linger, but he did hurt his right hip, the glute area. And then Jordan Poyer, the other day, our all-pro uh, safety, hyperextended his elbow. He's expected right now to be ready for week one, but if any of those guys go down for extended times or Tre'Davious White isn't quick to return, that could really expose the defensive uh, passing game and allow teams to kind of go over the top and, and get scores that they wouldn't otherwise. So normally a strength, but it could be a weakness if it's not handled properly.
1: I really like Kyrie Kyrie Elam. I really do as a prospect, but you really never know what a rookie corners uh, season is going to be like, you know, Uh, We've seen even very good corners, you know, corners who are good throughout their career still struggle a little bit as rookies. So that depth could be a potential issue. Now, since we have a minute, how comfortable are you with the Tredavious White situation? How soon do you think that he's going to be, like, realistically to his form?
7: I think he's going to start returning to form in probably November, which will be about a year out from the original injury in December. So you're going to see him starting to peak toward december january in the playoffs and whatnot and when i say peak that'll probably be up to his uh, top of his abilities right now it's not going to be what his all pro level was because it takes a little bit longer for him to get back up to full speed and whatnot but we should start seeing him be more flashes of Tre'Davious white of old uh compared to what we're going to see in the first half of the season just it takes time to react to see what he's seen on the field and keep up with his um his assignment and some of the routes that he's going to to defend against. He's just going to be a step slower as he's working back into it. And it's not anything that he's not doing well and trying to get back to going. It's just the neurological aspect of the ACL Mm -hmm. recovery. It just takes time to kind of reestablish those connections where you don't have to think about it. You just go. So um, December, January is what we're looking for, but you know, don't be alarmed if he's struggling early on.
1: And the last thing before I let you go, have you been keeping up with the Jordan Poyer contract situation at all? I know he's been pushing to get a new one. But do you have any clue what the status of that is?
7: I think they're still working through it. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus was at the first day of camp. I know that Jordan Poyer is still showing up. He's practicing. He's showed up to mandatory minicamp. So he's being team player said, hey, I know I'm still under contract. I want a new one. But I'll be out here to do my part. I hope the Bills do their part. So I'm sure, I'm sure they're trying to find a number. Um, there hasn't been anything leaked regarding the specific numbers or what he's exactly asking for, but there's still some type of an impasse that's preventing them from putting you know the ink on paper to get him some type of extension, whether it's you know another two or three years. But they have to be mindful of his age and just where they're at from a cap standpoint. They can't just give him a whole bunch of money because he's asking for it. They have to be mindful of other aspects on the team,
1: yeah, absolutely and. The, the cap and contracts are one of my main interests regarding the NFL. So I'm always curious about getting updates on situations like that. Now, I just want to thank you again so much for coming on the show last minute. You know, between the time that I, I sent you a message and the time we started recording was what, barely 10 minutes. So big time appreciation for that. Now, I just want to give you the chance to let all of our listeners know where they can find you, you know, hit us up with your social media and uh, all the locations of your written work.
7: All right. so i'm on uh, bangedupbills.com um, i run that website i'm on uh, banged up bills on twitter on instagram on facebook uh, I you can find my work on reddit too under banged up bills i usually post a lot in the uh buffalo bills subreddit there uh, really if you type in banged up bills you're gonna find me somewhere on the socials i i write for buffalo rumblings doing bigger pieces i, I do work for cover one Uh, I do a lot of different podcast spots uh, just like this and another one. So I'm all over the place. I'm willing to talk about Buffalo Bill's injuries and then NFL injuries as a whole. So if you're looking for any type of injury information, my place is a good place to start. And then you can kind of branch off from there.
1: I'll be coming back to you. Thanks again, Kyle. Thank you. Now to just give you a little heads up on what's coming down the pipeline, we will be doing the divisional previews for the rest of the summer. Every Wednesday, and Friday show, until we're done with all of the divisions, next week is going to be the NFC and AFC North. But Monday's show is going to be something a little bit different. I've got a few of the writers from Gridiron Heroics coming on, and we're going to talk about the best position groups in the NFL. And the way that we're going to break it down are the best offensive lines, best skill groups, best quarterbacks, best defensive lines, best linebackers and best secondaries. So we're really looking at core groups, not just individual pairings of wide receivers. And I think the the reason I wanted to do it that way is because it gives you an idea of a real strength of a team as opposed to just one or two good players. So I'm looking forward to that. And then I just want to say thanks again to all of our guests today. And of course, a special thank you to Kyle Trimble, for that big time, clutch, last minute appearance. I can't tell them how grateful I am. Guys, we will see you all very soon.